Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. Good morning. I'm Andrew Haas, and I'm going to talk about this lovely lady that I met 15 years ago in October. We've got a picture of what we looked like when we were young and skinnier and less gray. (laughs) And I met Holly in West Africa. I was, uh, well, I'm not going to talk about me, but she was someone who was very committed to taking the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And she's been that way since high school and college. She was definitely going into the military or missionary work. She was committed to full-out service, and she chose missions, and she was very dedicated to that at the Moody Bible Institute, where she studied broadcasting, media, and theology. And she did not treat her university years the way some did, which gave it the joking name of the Moody Bridal Institute. She was not there for her MRS degree. She was there for her undergrad, and she, was, she interned during her junior summer, and as soon as she graduated, she went short-term with TWR, and she went full-time two and a half years later, and she has been, she spent her whole adult life when, when I met her, serving wherever God had called her to use her gifts and talents and training and, and other things. So that's who I met 15 years ago. And when I met Andrew, we were in West Africa. He was 35 and I was 30. So our topic today is singleness and dating in your 30s and when you're older. And things that I admired about Andrew is that after college, he said to the Lord, I'm going to get a passport as a step of faith. Take me wherever you want to take me. And he went everywhere in the world, literally for three years, 10 countries a year, teaching people um, and giving people the tools that they would have the gospel in their own language. I think if all of you look in the pew in front of you, except those in the front row, there's Bibles there. We have 400 uh, translations of the English Bible, and yet many people, their translation looks like this. And so I will step off my missions platform here and keep on focus here. But I was, I admired that this man dedicated his life in his single years to reaching uh, the, the unreached and the unengaged people. And it was on one of those trips while he was following Jesus that we met in our 30s. So we want to talk about some important things that we've had uh, shared with us, and we want to pass them on to you. And one of them is a lot of people think of God's will for their life like a dot on a piece of paper. That's God's will. Can't go to the left, can't go to the right, no further up or down. It's only right here, or you're outside of God's will. But I think it's more helpful to consider God's will as more of a line. And you could be anywhere on this line, and God will bless you. If He blesses you over here, it'll be different than He blesses you over there. If you get married right out of high school or college, that will be blessings. They'll be different than if He gifts you with singleness, or if he calls you to a period of singleness where you can do things that you couldn't have done otherwise. But each one of these places could be very smack dab in the middle of God's will for you, 
But you get to choose. You have a hand in how you carry out the giftings, the calling God has placed on your life. And so I think that's a slightly more helpful picture of, of how God's will can operate. But the secret, anywhere you are, is contentment. Because again, you've had a hand in it. You've helped make your bed. And in that season, each chapter of your life, lie in it. And I'm going to quote a scripture that we often heard taken out of context. And it's not about passing your midterms when you haven't studied. It's not even when you're a, an Olympic athlete about to compete for the gold. The scripture is this, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether if it, if it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's, it's a decision that you make, but look there. It's supernatural powering of the Holy Spirit. You can't do all things and be content without the Holy Spirit living in you. So in contentment, sometimes one of the factors that will affect us is how the glasses through which we filter our decisions. And so early on in our life, and I can't really see well, so if I'm going to walk off the stage, please stop me. Um, early on, Andrew and I knew we had a calling on our life to reach the unreached people of the world. We didn't have the details, we didn't know where, we didn't know how, but by high school we knew we wanted to reach the unreached people. So we started making decisions, even though we were hundreds of miles away and didn't know each other in light of that. So we started saying, hey, these decisions of where I'm going to college, I'm gonna start looking at how does this filter into this overarching call that God has in my life. My decisions of I'm going to date this person, do they have a similar call to reach the unreached, even if it might be different? And so we started filtering our singleness through those lenses so that that overarching call in our life, even though it's shifted and changes many times, uh, we are still very passionate about reaching the ends of the earth, and that was something that was important for us. So in your single years, and you're working into your career, and you're getting established, what is it that God is calling you to? And when you're looking for your spouse, be saying, do they have the same general calling in their life? The details won't always be the same, and the details always change. But that's a good way to find contentment of when you're seeking, because God gives us that peace and that rest. Something else that has been very helpful in finding contentment uh, in our single years was actually renewing our mind. So, confession time. It can be easy for me to live in the land of what-ifs, okay? What if I don't meet anyone and I'm single for the rest of my life? What if I don't meet someone until later and we can't have kids? What if, and I suspect that many of you already have something filling in that what if spot. So in seeking the contentment in our single years and in our married years as well, because contentment spans all of that. And I think Craig and Annie said last week, you know, you choose your heart. There's hard difficulties, and on that spectrum of God's will, 
God blesses and the contentment comes in different areas at different times. But what if we change that dialogue to what if God? What if God is allowing to give uh, me opportunities to run around the world and to share the love with Jesus to other people that I would not be able to do because we're married just because it gets really complicated? (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? What if God is working in my heart and in my life to heal some wounds and heal some hurts in my life in this season? What if the Lord is equipping me with a skill set that is going to greatly complement my spouse and the Lord is equipping him at the same time and using this season for that? So if we say what if and then the problem, that oftentimes brings in shame and it brings in frustration and anxiety. But if we can shift that dialogue to, well, what if God? And then it keeps us in that heavenly perspective versus an earthly perspective. So which lenses are we looking at? We want that eternal perspective in our singleness, in our marriage, in our career, and just changing that dialogue. I want to make sure that everyone clearly hears what I am not saying, which means don't take what, I'm about to say this backwards, (laughs) make sure I get this right. Jesus loves to hear all of our concerns and he welcomes us with open arms. So we take all of our concerns, we take our singleness, we take our marriage to the heart of the Father, and he welcomes us. And we find our grace and our peace and our rest in him in our seasons, okay? God is always faithful and God is always good. Keep your eyes focused on that eternal perspective of Jesus throughout it all. I oftentimes will think of um, 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Is this a relationship that I'm in honoring God? Is this business opportunity honoring God? Is this, this next education degree that I'm seeking after honoring God? Um, Colossians 3.17, in whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything to the, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Being single in our 20s and 30s was hard, but learning contentment has been a great reward as we go forward to where that when the trials of life come down that line, we have a history, we have a record of seeing God's faithfulness that we're like, okay, I don't know what's going on, but God's got this. So we have a list of things we're going to share with you real quick before we step off the stage. Practical things. Um, that maximized our single years. Uh, Again, as Holly said, we we really want to see God work in our lives so that we are continually becoming, if we're supposed to get married someday, we're becoming that really good, mature spouse, something worthy to offer to someone else to share the rest of our life with. So dealing with the wounds and hurts of our childhood, things that have happened to us, mistakes we've made, things that are no fault of our own but we still have to wrestle with, that's the time while you're single to get ready for marriage. Taking the, taking the opportunity to manage your money, get out of debt, build savings, build retirement. It was awesome that when I met Andrew, he already had a house, and we were able to just get out the gate with, these were the mistakes we made financially, and this is where we figure some of that stuff out, and also to save. 
And there are you know, practical things about learning how to be a grown-up and take care of things like um, your house, your car, roommates, mortgages. I can tell you for a while about the mistakes I made buying my first house. But I wouldn't do it differently other than to say, okay, maybe I would do it differently if I could do it over. But actually, I learned so much. I'm thankful that I did screw up. It was better to buy a house the wrong way than to not learn that lesson at that time. And, and that's benefited us ever since. We've seen God do incredible financial miracles. Build yourself a council of advisors. Who are the people that are older and wiser that are seeking after God that will tell you honestly what you need to hear and that will point you to Jesus even if it's contrary to their personal opinion? Build a council of advisors around yourself. And we've both seen that it's good to uh, observe the marriages around you. Um, yeah, you might be some, seeing something and saying, well, when I get married, I don't want to be like that. And that's valuable. But it's also very valuable to observe the successful relationships around you and start to intentionally take note. Whether you write it down or you just store it in your heart, what are the good marriages around me? How do they practice disagreements with each other? How do they practice affirming each other? Do you want to wrap up the flexibility? Yeah, a, a friend of mine who didn't get married till his 40s did warn me, if you don't get married until then, you're going to be really set in your ways. And that's, that's just a good warning. You get to have all these decades of making up your own mind, doing whatever you want to do in your 20s, 30s, 40s. But when you do get married and suddenly there's some, another partner on this journey, and mutual submission kicks in, be aware. It's going to be tougher than if you got married right out of high school. And so just take that into consequence. Like, well, I really enjoyed this time of being an adult in my 20s and 30s, but now I have to work extra hard on my own humility and my own submission so that I can hear this other person, because every relationship is a cross-cultural relationship, no matter what country you're in when you meet. <laughs> So really, that's about all we have to share. We really look forward to hearing what uh, Jesse and Nikki have to share. They're, they're doing more than 50%. They have a controlling interest in this Sunday. But we're, we're flattered that they asked us to help share a little bit of our, our experience. Thanks, guys. I love it. Uh, first, a shout out. Uh, she's not here. There, she's down with the kids. I forgot my water bottle, and I really needed one because I drink a ton of water every day. And Scarlett Willett hooked me up so that I could not come up here super parched. Danny, I'm stealing your podium for a minute. All right. I'll give it back. Uh, that was awesome, guys. I feel so honored and blessed to get to share the stage with you guys. So thanks so much for sharing. And it's just a different perspective. We're all coming from a different perspective. And I will start with this. So this is Nikki, and I am Jesse. And we met each other back in 06. I unfortunately had a girlfriend at the time, and um, we broke up pretty quickly after me seeing her. And, um, and, and so it led into this really great journey. But I'll tell you about my first date with Nikki, and Nikki can add whatever she wants to this. I was broke. I was volunteering 40 hours at the church. Volunteering means you're not getting paid. And I was working about 20 to 25 hours as a server of a restaurant, and you're also not getting paid very well. 
um, to do that stuff. So um, I was broke, but I really wanted to take Nikki on a date, so I asked her on a date. We go to Chick-fil-A um, because I had a buy one, get one free peach shake. Stole and my heart. So we, we, pick up a milk, we pick up the milkshake, and two, two actually, we didn't have to share. And, um, and I didn't get dinner, but I did get a shake. And we drove um, just out in Texas to a just kind of real, little more remote area park. And we just jumped the fence and started walking through some cornfields. And, you know, you, you might run the risk of getting shot at, but I felt pretty good about it. <laughs> we made it out to the other, dirt, the other side on this dirt road, and we were just walking, having a good time, talking. And an old beat-up truck pulls up behind us, and it's like, pulls up right next to us and it's like, who are you guys? And I said, well, I'm Jesse. This is Nikki. Who are you? And I don't remember his name anymore. And uh, he was like, well, this is my property, this side and that side. How did you get right here? And I was like, oh, we were just walking. I didn't want to say I just tromped through his field, right? <laughs> so I said, oh, we were just walking. And, um, and he was like, well, where did you park? We said, we were like, we can leave. And he was like, no, no, it's no problem. And then he actually drove away. Oh, he did. I forgot. He was like, no, no, it's fine. Y'all stay. It's fine. It's fine. He well, left. he couldn't find, he went to go find where we parked. <laughs> he comes back like 10 minutes later and is like, so where's your car? Yeah. I was like, well, it's <laughs> over, over there somewhere. I don't know. Not on the other side of your field, right? No. And so then he was like, um, well, well, why don't I take you to your car? And I said, we're okay walking. He said, why don't you hop in the back of the truck? And he has a, he has a typical Texan, has literally a gun exposed right on his console, right? <laughs> and, and so we jump in the back of his truck with his dog, Bessie, and um, we, we make it back to our car. So it was an eventful first date. We, we, we started dating in 07. We got married in 09. I had a lot of stuff to work through. Nikki didn't have as much. Um, and... We want to talk about today, we're not going to go into the practicals of, of dating necessarily. We're not going to go into should you hold, your, hold hands on the first date type of stuff. Uh, we'd love to talk with you about that if you want to talk with us offline. But we want to talk about more um, the principles that I think are really important to instill in your life, very similar to what the Hosses talked about. Um, because I don't know if you should hold her hand or not yet because I don't know you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going through your head. And so I wanted to start with going, hey, non-tangible stuff here that you can work on to become a very, very dateable person. So one quick story is this. Golly, I was the most cocky person you've ever met. Not, I mean, if you've met me, you already go. I'm, I have plenty of arrogance. Uh, I mean, I put plenty of confidence, what I meant to say. Plenty of confidence. <laughs> And, but man, I, this is in college. I see a cute girl and I go, man, I wonder, wonder if I should ask her on a date. My sister literally leaned over. She, she was like, uh, I wonder if she would say yes. And I, she was like, you probably need to get ready for that one, buddy. And that one changed me. So we feel like there are a few things, four things really, that are really pertinent to becoming a incredibly dateable person and a great spouse. And we think it's hunger for God. We think it's committed to God's way and community. We feel like it is um, humility and teachability. I think if you can get these things down, your dating relationship's going to go great. Maybe really hard. Nikki and I's dating relationship was really hard, actually. But we made it, and we have a great marriage. And so we're going to start with hunger. 
And Nikki, you, you, you had some really good stuff to say on hung, being hungry, and so I just wanted you to share on that. Yeah, so I think that, you know, it's interesting because, so we're talking a little about dating, and, you know, we've had this series over the summer about families and marriage and parenting and all these things, but what's um, interesting and I think really crucial to understand, and the theme that I've heard through all of it and what the Haas has even just shared is, a lot of these things that we're talking about are principles that apply to any season of life. Mm -hmm. It's not specific hunger. You know, the things that Jesse just mentioned, hunger, teachability, humility. These are things that are they're principles that are godly principles that in any season they apply. So if you're already married with kids in an empty nester, this can still apply. If you are 12 and in middle school, this can still apply, right? Um, and so I think that the thing with hunger, which the Haas has uh, touched on a lot, is this is something that starts before you're interested in anyone, before, you're try before you are dating. You want to develop a life with the Lord and a history with the Holy Spirit because that's really the thing that matters at the end of the day. And if you're dating, if you're married, that's the thing that's going to sustain you and to carry you through all of the ups and downs that every season of life can bring, right, is this history. And so I think that, first of all, just hitting on pursuing wholeness, pursuing life with Jesus, and I will take a minute to just hit on the point that I feel this growing warning, I don't know exactly, just this, our culture, there's a growing message that wholeness is about who are you, what, where is your truth, right? And I just want to take a minute to say, do not be deceived. Wholeness and true life cannot be found apart from the Lord. It cannot be found apart from God's way. And, and so it's Amen. not more compassionate to say, well, I'll accept whatever way of life you choose because love is what matters. Yes, love is what matters. But remember, God is love. God is truth, right? And so, so remembering that God's way is the only way. And the verse that came to my mind was um, Proverbs 14, 12. that says, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. And I read that this morning in the Passion Translation. And it says, um, you can rationalize it all you want. And you can justify the path of error you have chosen but you'll find out in the end that you took the road of destruction. And I think that that's a really important message of our day. You can rationalize, you can justify anything you want, but in the end, where does it lead? And it's important to remember that. And so, um, sorry, moving on, but um, hunger. One of the things with hunger that I, just as we were talking about it and pursuing the Lord, that I, a picture that I got is we've been watching the Olympics a lot lately. Well, I guess not lately now anymore, but were. Um, and one of the things we really like watching is beach volleyball. And I was just thinking about, I mean, if you watch them, they're amazing. Um, but what I was thinking is they have a partner, right? And they didn't grow up and look one day and decide, I want to be partner with you. Let's learn how to play volleyball together, right? They've been practicing for years. They've been honing these skills for years. And I would say that that is similar to our walk with the Lord. That's something that we want to be fine-tuning these skills, having this history. So then when you're at an Olympic level, then you can look over and say, I'm really good. You're really good. We're running at the same pace. Let's see if we can do that together and be even better and really like do something, right? And so 
it's not, I think sometimes we can get into this mentality of, I'll wait one day, once I'm in college, I'll get serious about the Lord. One day, once I'm dating, I'll get serious about it. Once I'm married, once I have kids, once I whatever. And it's easy to look to the next season as the time when you'll get serious about something. But I would just encourage us all to be hungry in the season we're in. Listen, life is life, dating, marriage, it's all, it, can, it all has challenges and it's hard. And so um, let's not make cultivating our walk with the Lord one of the things we're also trying to learn while dating, while working through conflict. Does that make sense? Yeah, one of my favorite verses on hunger is um, Matthew 5, 6. You got it for me, guys? Yeah. So how enriched are you when you crave righteousness, for you will be satisfied. And guys, you hunger for something. And whatever you hunger for is what you're going to eat. And there's a great choice that we all get to make to say, I'm going to choose to hunger for righteousness. It's a choice. Life comes down to choices. It really does, right? And here's what's really awesome about when you hunger for the Lord is most of the time when you eat stuff, you get full. When you consume the Lord and consume the word, consume prayer time, consume worship, it actually creates more space in you to want to do it more. It's an awesome gift and blessing. So anyway, cultivate hunger. Cultivate hunger. It's a really good thing. Okay, so the next thing is committed to God's way and community. So we put these together because, man, we are super passionate about living life according to the way of God. And the way that God has set up for us to live is to live in community. Right? Acts Acts 2, 42 through 47 is one of our staple passages as the Antioch church here in Raleigh and as a movement. If you guys will throw it up there, it says, but the last few verses of it says, all the believers were in fellowship as one body and they shared with one another whatever they had out of generosity. They even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. This speaks to broadly, you can see this principle all through the Bible. And so this speaks broadly to the principle of you do life with one another. Right? And on this front, I think it's such a huge piece to realize there's a difference between going to life group and being a part of a life group family. And it's most of the time, your life group may be clunky, we may not know how to do it exactly, but most of the time it's you that needs to just jump in. And even if you think the life group stinks, go with some humility and say, hey, I think life group stinks, we gotta be more of a family. That's actually what family does, right? And so I think it's super important that we are committed to this community. You date in community, you do marriage in community, you do singleness in community, then you don't get off in these weird places that you're like completely like, how did I get here, right? And so on that front, it's so important to find mentors. You guys mentioned that. It's so important. But I'm going to let Nikki speak on this. Well, yeah, it's... it's like Jesse said, it's really easy to get off on your own. And like Holly mentioned, we all have lenses and filters that we view life through. 
And a lot of times, we're not even aware of what the lens that we're viewing life through is until someone helps us see that, right? Like, you don't even know because to you, it just feels right. Like, this happened, I feel hurt. That is what's true then. I'm, you know what I mean? And so it takes, I think the more we walk in community, um, the more we're able to see. So I'll share, for instance, so me and Jesse are dating, and there was, a, there was a few people we walked closely with, but one um, was a couple, a family, Donnie and Brianna Martin. Um, I lived with them before we got married, and it was amazing, and it really shaped, I mean, I don't know if we'd be married without their input in our no lives, <laughs> um, but uh, find mentors like that. Uh, but, so we're dating, and you know, different little things would come up, and I can remember one time while we're dating, um, we'd probably like spent the whole morning together or something, and then Jesse's like, well, I think I'm gonna go back to the house. I'm like, okay, great, I'll come with you. And he's like, no, I think just I'm gonna go back. I just need a little like space. I just need some alone time. And, which is a normal thing to need. There's probably a lot of introverts and extroverts that sometimes just need alone time. But to me, I was like, he doesn't wanna be with me. Like, what does that mean? He needs space for me? Does he not like me? And I get really hurt because I'm insecure. Um, and so that's like a silly thing, but we're able, like I remember going back and telling the Martins about this and they were able to graciously just point out, you know, and, and we had a history. There was a history of us sharing with them and them having input into our lives and having an open door to speak truth. We had invited them into that place. And I remember them saying like, you know, Nikki, I think you're just being a little overly sensitive. I think it's okay. And I was like, oh. But it would have been really, okay. Like, it's okay for him to not want to be by my side 24-7? Huh. Um, but it would have been easy in that moment for me to not like what they say and just go find someone else that will tickle my ear and tell me what I want to hear. Yeah, you're right. I can't believe that he told you he didn't want to be with you after you'd only spent a couple hours together. That should have hurt your feelings, and he's rude and should apologize. You know, like, it's easy to find someone that will agree with what you want, but are you going to find someone that just tells you what you want to hear or tells you what you need to hear and that actually encourages growth in you? What, they were, what the Martins were doing in that instance was showing they cared more about my well-being than I even did. You know, they, they cared not about one of us being right, but they cared about our spiritual growth and our maturity. And they said, listen, Nikki, if you want to grow up in Jesus, this is a place where you need to go to the Lord. And I had to learn to not find value in how much time someone wants to spend with me but in Jesus, right? Like it was a little thing. And I think that one thing I would hit on is sometimes we go to people when life is really good or we wait until it's blown up and it's really hard and we're in the middle of huge conflict. And while I would say, please, if you're in a big conflict, go find someone to bring into that with you and to help you see clearly through it. But also I think that where a lot of the real magic happens is in the normal life. That instance, like that story I just shared, that would have been an easy one to kind of like brush over. Like, I got my feelings hurt a little bit, whatever, I'll get over it. He can have alone time, I'll have alone time, we'll get back together tomorrow and I'll be fine. But because I brought someone into it, right, just like this little petty thing that wasn't a big deal, it was just normal life things, I was able to use it as a, a, an opportunity to, for growth. And, and the people, the mentors we had brought into it were able to you know, they then are getting a more clear picture of what our relationship looks like and what our life looks like and what our 
brokenness looks like so they can have more authority to speak into it. Does that make sense? So it's really just, I mean, the community thing to me, that's just life-on-life discipleship that we're talking about, which we talk about all the time, you know, but bringing people in to the normal daily life. I remember um, that we we were already married at this point, just moved here, um, so seven, eight years ago, and it was a practice we had instilled so much in our marriage that we got in a fight, and we had one kid at the time, now we have four, but we had one, and he was like eight months old, right, nine months old, right when we moved. I love uh, this song, Downtown by Macklemore, and um, I wouldn't say it's the cleanest song in the world, so this is not an, this is not a, a recommendation. I'm not advocating for that song at all, and so all you young punks out here that can try to throw me under the bus with your parents, that's not acceptable. Make your own decisions, you'll stand before God too. But anyway, uh, I... Um, I love the song, and I'm like jamming at my house, and August is around, clean version, and um, Nikki's like, I can't believe you're playing that, so we get into like a, a, not a big fight, it was just a conflict, we had just gotten so used to, you're corrupting our son, yeah, corrupting my my poor child, Um, but we had, we couldn't get to an agreement, I'm like, I think you're way overreacting, she's like, I don't think you're caring for our kids well enough, so we had gotten so used to this practice, then we called some other friends, Kyle and Courtney Rogers, and just said, hey, this is what we're doing. And they roasted me. They were like, bro. <laughs> and so, but anyway, that leads to the next point of all of this kind of flows together, I think. If you live a life of hunger for God, part of that is being committed to his way and in, in community. And then I think the next step as you walk in community, you, you actually, to really walk in humility with people you, I mean, in community with people, you have to have humility and teachability, or you'll, you'll just start finding that people keep kind of distancing themselves from you because you're actually a miserable person to be around, right? If it, you don't walk in that, then you, 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 people kind of keep walking away from you because no one likes to hang out with someone that's not humble and teachable that always thinks that they're right. Right. It's, it's one thing to share your story or share your problems or difficulties or questions with someone and to listen to what they say in response and say, thank you so much for sharing. It's another thing to take what they say and with an open heart respond. Does that make sense? I've been around, I've been around a lot of people that will ask for input, that will ask for advice, but then it's like, what do you do with it? You know, is really, I think, where the humility and teachability really shows itself is I can ask Jesse all, long, all day long, do you see any areas I need to grow? And he can tell me all day long. But if I don't then take that and take it before the Lord and then respond, then am I really being teachable, right? Am I really changing? And, and on that, and maybe I'm jumping in a little bit. No, go ahead. Don't, don't hear me saying that whatever your leadership says, you have to do. Don't hear me saying, check your mind at the door. Whatever your spiritual authority, whatever Jesse says, I need to blindly follow. That's not what I mean. And so if you hear us saying that, you're missing the heart of what's being said. I think what we're talking about is a humility that says, I'm not necessarily asking, like I'm not asking everyone in this room to speak into my life necessarily. Now, you can. I'll take what you say with a grain of salt, but if I don't know you, you don't know me, I'm carrying that differently than, um, you know, for us while we're dating, Jesse, the Martins, and we had a, a, a 
two or three close friends. Friends that's like, these are the mentors in my life and the peers in my life that I see the fruit of their life and I say, the fruit of your life is good. And so I can trust and, and the relationship we have is good. I can trust what you say. And sometimes it requires trusting what they say more than what you feel. Does that make sense? Sometimes you can feel really right. But if everyone, you're trusted, people around you are saying, I don't feel good about this, or saying, I think this is a blind area that you have, then even though I may feel so certain, it's, it's good to remember our emotions are not necessarily meant to be trusted. Mm -hmm. They can be. God uses our emotions, but our emotions aren't truth. Remember, God is truth, not your emotions. Yeah. And so it's important to remember, and I think that's why it's so important to have a practice of being committed to community, having a practice of being humble and teachable, because then you learn emotions submit to truth, not truth to my emotions. And you have people around you that you know carry the same values. Yeah. Is that, right? Not just any values. I, I'm not just trusting anyone to speak in, right? I'm trusting these trusted people around me. Yeah, so I'd say this, um, and then we can wrap it up. Um, if you, Nick, you already said, but I think it's worth saying again. If people that you know and trust, and, and, and what I would say is it's really important to find mentors. And what I mean by mentors, people further along the road than you. Because a lot of times your peers are going to see things really similar to you. And so it's so easy to get caught up in what they're saying and, and, and justify it. Oh, well, they see it like me. But bringing mentors along the way that have gone a few steps ahead of you. And man, if you hear from, I would say, even two of them. Let, let's just use an example. Uh, dude's dating some girl. And the dude's just having a really hard time with the girl. Um, and he goes and shares with his mentors. They both go, um, yeah, it sounds like you have something off. There's a wound in your heart that needs to be addressed. Well, it's, it's easy to dismiss those things and, and break up with the girl. But I'll tell you what, man, dating brings out that stuff that nothing else can. Marriage brings out that stuff that nothing else can. And if you don't have mentors that tell you that, you're never going to deal with your stuff, right? And so I'm telling you, man, if, if you keep hearing the same thing over and over or you have a reoccurring pattern, man, I get to this certain point in relationship and then I want to hit the eject button and there, some people are telling you that every time. As Michael Jackson said, I think you got to start with a man in the mirror. And, and so I think that's where you go take a hard look at yourself and, and what I would say is you're probably lacking in humility if you're having a hard time seeing it. Good place to start is saying, God, make me humble. Make me teachable. All right? So I think it's worth saying. Um, Nikki had a really great... Oh, you want to say one more thing? No. Yeah, well, maybe use I don't know. The one thing that I do want to say that is probably not the thing he's thinking I should say, but the, the last point I wanted to make is I, I, as we were preparing this sermon and I was thinking back on our dating and... We can share in more detail with you later if you want. Come find us. We will share any details you want. But it was, it was really hard. It was difficult. We were working through stuff. A lot, right? a okay. lot. So, but I, I remember, and I, I'm like a loyalist. I'm like, 
I'm in, we're working through stuff, but as long as you say you're committed, I'm in. Like, I don't care what junk comes up, let's do this, we'll do it together. And that was kind of my mentality through our dating. I am not. Which, he was like, I don't know, I'm in, am I in? I don't know. I don't, I'm in, uh, but uh, what I remember getting to, we'd been dating for a long time. It's like at the place where I'm like, we've been dating for like a year. We've talked about like moving towards engagement and marriage, but I'm like, I am, what are we waiting for? And I remember I was at a youth, we led youth together and we were at a youth leaders retreat getting ready for the year. And I remember the Lord asking me, Nikki, where is your hope? And are you saying yes to me, or are you saying yes to an expected outcome? And I think that I had this moment of realizing, I feel confident that the Lord is telling me to stay in this relationship right now. That I feel confident in. And I think I assumed that that meant we would end up getting married. And obviously we did. It worked out. But I think what the Lord was hitting on in that moment was, are you saying yes to me? with strings attached. Like, are you saying yes to me and my goodness? And I'm saying to be right here. I'm not saying what the future holds. You don't know. Maybe y'all don't get married. But will you still say yes to this moment with me? And it was a real moment, a check in my heart. And what I would challenge us with today is kind of just that question. Are, like, are you saying yes to Jesus right now and that's enough? Are we expecting, are we saying yes as long as it ends how I want it to end. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Because I think that it's easy to get, to place our hope in the wrong place without even realizing it. I was placing my hope in us getting married, not realizing it, because I was like, well, we're dating, and that's what you would do, right? But I just remember, and I can remember, I mean, I remember it so clearly. I went through this season then, it, y'all know that song, In Christ Alone, My Hope Is Found. Y'all know that song? I would listen to that on repeat in my car and just cry, like, in Christ alone, you can take him away, it's fine. And we I would had a just great ball. And, but then we were able to play that song in our wedding and worship, and I was like, yes, in Christ alone, but also with Jesse by my side. You know, it worked. But that place of, is Jesus your hope. And, and again, to kind of wrap up even all of this sermon series, the common, and I mentioned this at the beginning, but the common thread that I heard throughout all of it, the Jacksons, the Omens, the Jellies, the Hosses, the, the common thing that I'm kind of hearing everyone say is, it's Jesus, right? Like whatever season, whatever you're doing, it's Jesus. And are you hungry? And are you satisfied in him? Um, and the theme of all this, and I loved the song they even sang earlier, that, that little bridge part that is the like, I love, but I long to look on the face of the one that I love, long to stay in his presence, that's where I belong. And to remember at the end of the day, that is where you belong. And that is where your foundation is going to come from. And there's going to be storms in life, but if you are rooted and grounded in God's way and in him, and remember, this is where I belong, then we're going to make it together great. with community. Hey, isn't Nikki a great speaker? Isn't Jesse so cute? All right. Um, hey, so in wrapping up, um, great points, right? Everybody's like, yeah, I want to be hungry for Jesus, and I want to be committed to God's way and community. 
and we want to be humble, we want to be teachable. Or you may be saying, man, I've really never thought about that like that. Um, but we're going to have a time where we're going to pray for folks. And we just want you to know, like even me going through this, I went, man, I think my hunger's lacking right now. Right? I had to confess, Lord, I think my hunger's lacking, and I get to repent. Repenting? You know Peter says in Acts, come repent and be refreshed. Repenting is not a bad thing. It's actually the best thing in the world. And so I just want to say, if you're off the mark, if any of this stuff you heard, you're like, man, I'm missing it, just come, just come tell us and say you want some prayer, right? And I feel like I'd be remiss today to say, if you are not following Jesus, it's super easy. You start. That's it. He's with you. You get plugged into community, and you can do it. And his way really is the best way. It's easy to start following him. You're going to have some pain and hardship along the way. Life is still life, but he's with you. And if you want Jesus to be a part of your life where you say, I'm no longer going to follow my way, I'm going to follow his way, today's your day. If you're thinking, maybe I should, maybe I should make the jump, it is today. Today, you should. You should make the jump. Life is so much better his way. It like makes me, his way is just the best. And, and so we want to pray for you. So if our ministry team could come up. And, and if, if you have any other needs out there, it could be financially. It could be you need healing. It could be you need a miracle. We believe in God as being an awesome God. So ministry team, people that can pray for people, if you'll come up, I'm going to pray. We're going to close in some worship. Jesus, you are the best. Your way is the best. There's no other way to live. And I just ask for a repenting and a refreshing for everyone in the room. If it's slight or if it's major, may it be. In Jesus' name.